0: I do believe it's more of a when you know better, you do better situation because when you start to be more connected to uh, where those hormones are falling throughout the structure of that month, you can make really intelligent choices, whether it be food related, uh, exercise related, stress management, emotional regulation related. Welcome back to another episode of Thriving Through Menopause
1: Podcast the show where we crack open the conversation about this time of life and empower you to become the CEO of Your Menopause Transition. I'm your host, Dr. Clarissa Christensen. Join me and my guests as each week we show you how you can thrive through menopause.
2: Well, hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Thriving Through Menopause. And today we're going to talk about one of my most favorite topics, and that is sleep. Because I've been an insomniac, I know that it's very tough when you don't get a good night's sleep, and the fallout for us, particularly in midlife, is huge. And so I am so delighted to have a real sleep expert join us on the show to share her knowledge and to, I'm sure, give us some fantastic tips of how we can sleep better. So welcome to the show, Molly McLaughlin.
0: Oh, well, thank you so much for that generous introduction. And I'm very excited to be discussing also one of my favorite conversations and topics. uh, So I know we'll be able to have a great time getting into that, uh, deeply into that conversation.
2: We certainly will. But Molly, for the listeners, tell us a little bit about how you became a sleep expert.
0: Sure. Yeah. So, um, My story is simply that I was looking to honestly solve my own problem uh, with my sleep. And what had happened for me was that a big chunk of my life, I had been um, uh, relating to myself as, oh, I'm a night owl. I don't need so much sleep. Uh, I go to bed late. I wake up late. That's just how it is. Oh, I'm an entrepreneur. So I can uh, make my own schedule, be justified and righteous about all that. And and that's kind of how it was. Didn't uh, look at it as something that uh, needed to really be handled. That's just how it was. That was my perspective for a while. Um, then not quite connecting the dots when I started uh, later on in life starting to get sick a bit more often um, than, I, than the average person, um, getting also along with stress and Uh, kind of burning the candle at both ends. I was getting things like uh, the beginnings of ulcers. I got shingles. I had a number of things that really pointed to something was not working, (laughs) um, and still wasn't connecting the dots. Um, and so this topic of sleep really wasn't in the forefront until it became really urgent, and that was when, um, I uh, as an entrepreneur, I actually was taking it more to the extreme and I was going to bed, pretty much as like the sun was rising. And then I started adding travel into the mix and jet lag. Um, and at that point, that's when I actually experienced my first uh, extended period of insomnia where I just could not sleep. And it was one of the more scarier points in my life because um, for a number of reasons, it was we. my boyfriend and I just left Manhattan. We'd been living there for quite some time and we decided to, you know, take on this digital nomad lifestyle. And so now I'm on the road. Now we have, (laughs) now we're no real home, you know, we're traveling, hopping around. And uh, in that moment, I'm responsible still for, you know, we have uh, employees, we have money to bring in. And yet now I'm not sleeping. And so now I'm not um, able to count on myself to get that restorative sleep to actually be useful the next day um and it was really a state of like perpetual panic uh when that was happening and it actually landed as a real um, identity crisis, because in that time I felt at a, my like a wits end of what to do. And I actually went to the doctors, this was in Croatia. Um, and so I didn't even speak the language, went in with a Google translate and <laughs> they kind of just looked at me like a, you know, three heads. And then they gave me their version of basically like Ambien is here in America. And, um, and so with that, it was a very, uh, it was a real draw the line in the sand moment because for me, I had thought of myself as a healthy person. I, I run, I take my, you know, things that I need to do and whatever the supplements and all natural. And, um, and here I am looking at taking a pill to sleep, doing something so primal. Um, and so in that moment, I was really desperately wanting to have answers on how to shift this, but the more I would Google this question or what have you, the The prognosis seemed very grim from what I was seeing. I just didn't see a lot of success stories of how people had gone through these periods um, and really worked them through fully to not have any adverse things or poor habits along the way. So, um, so basically, what ended up happening was creating what I had wanted um, at the time, which was a place to go to... Have that support, have um, kind of accountability. Uh, The really the behavioral change because it ended up being um, one of the best things that honestly ever happened to me. This period around my sleep and really changed everything for me. So. Um very excited to share more about that because getting to see one, of course, for my own life, how different life looks now, but secondly, for all the people that I've now worked with, um, we've created online training courses, have a um, sleep is a skill podcast, nor- newsletters, all kinds of, you know, just uh, created a whole community for people to go to make a difference in this area that I think is really massively overlooked right now in the 21st century.
2: Yeah, and I think that's a really good point there, Molly, that you bring up. It is grossly overlooked if we think, if we look at that relative to the amount of information that is out there around diet and exercise, which, you know, I as a coach would say, hey, those are the real pillars. Sleep doesn't get
0: nearly as much attention, does it? Uh, It doesn't. And I love that you pulled that up or, you know, referenced that because I'll often make um, the argument that in order... To really take on our health and wellness, um, it's almost it, kind of controversial to say this, but that I really firmly believe that sleep needs to be our number one uh, step that we take in order to, of course, impact all of these other things that are so massively important to our health and well-being: our exercise, our nutrition uh, choices, along you know those lines in the health and wellness sphere even just from a practical standpoint, uh, I don't know about you, but certainly for myself and many clients that I've worked with, when we are chronically sleep deprived or whether it's chronic or acute or what we're going through, um, what tends to seem to happen from a snowball perspective is that if if we didn't get that sleep, what gets cut in our calendar is often ah, the workout, I can't do it. Uh, then we're re- reaching for those foods that are not supporting us. And also from a Literal biological level or, you know, glucose levels tend to go up after uh, periods of sleep deprivation. Our leptin and ghrelin get all out of whack. So we're choosing poorly and just we're setting ourselves up for a much more challenging uh, road than it has to be.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that um, we don't realize that. We don't realize a lot of the time that it's absolutely fundamental for our body to heal itself is, is to sleep. You know, this is. And I'm sure you'll say more about that, but this is a time when the body repairs itself, when our memory gets better down, when we have a chance to, our digestive system has a bit of a chance to rest.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's part of the reason that um sleep is starting to get a little bit more attention in recent years because one of the reasons being um this correlation between neurological uh problems and sleep deprivation. So one of the uh breakthroughs that have come through more recently is this understanding of um lymphatic drainage. And so for people who aren't familiar with that, it's just simply um We might be familiar with lymphatic drainage, but lymphatic drainage is really just the cleaning and cleansing process of the brain uh, during sleep. And so what we've found around that is that when that isn't happening, uh, you know, count onably each night, um, which really tends to happen in uh, deep uh, sleep. So the first uh, section or first part of the sleep architecture is when we're seeing that lymphatic drainage, and that's when the brain literally kind of shrinks in size. So to allow for this fluid and drain- drainage process and to uh, remove kind of analy- amyloid beta plaques, and these plaques uh, will tend to build up and um, kind of calcify if we don't have that regular process of deep sleep. And those plaques uh, are very reminiscent of say like alzheimer's patients late stage Alzheimer's, so these correlations now look very very strong um that this is a big element or um possible you know precursor to going in that direction. of course, now that we're seeing that more people are taking this a bit more seriously than they might have before just and that's just one thing that um happens during the process of sleep. Absolutely, but you mentioned Doctor Google. <laughs> as, oh, yes. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> what does
2: Google throw up? You're that you've been there, out searching. What is out there? Is it? Oh, well,
0: <laughs> I mean, it's anything you, as you know, and it, it's a, uh, it can be a real source of pleasure or pain on, uh, on Doctor Google, but certainly my experience when I was going down that path, um, because part of my story was that I. Didn't not take the uh, the Ambien that they gave me. I actually did take that, and and every night that I was taking that, I it was this. Um, uh, I was so conflicted because I was taking something that I didn't really believe in, but I felt like no other choice. So um, so of course I was going down these forums of people that had also taken uh, sleep aids, so prescription sleep aids. And uh, my concern with the pres- uh, prescription sleep aid route. Is that while maybe can be helpful in a short-term, really acute situation, something's really uh, serious has happened uh, that might have a time or place. But for extended use, that's where I would see a lot of the scary stories of people, oh, yeah, I've been on these now for over a decade. um, And some of the impacts, you know, stories of things that they're driving, they don't have memory of it, they're having conversations. You know, there's a lot of things that... um, Draw up some concerns, but even just from a health standpoint, the levels of even just all around all cause mortality raising when we're taking some of these, particularly hypnotics and benzodiazepines mm-hmm. for sleep. Those are yeah. very, very concerning. So, and there's so many other things that we can do. And that's, uh, that's what I am really fascinated in of the difference we can make just from a behavioral standpoint alone. Exactly.
2: So. I just think that, you know, we see that and doctors are very quick to push out medication because they often don't have other solutions. But I think sure. you, you blew up a really important point that these are addictive. I mean, benzodiazepine is a highly addictive drug absolutely, and, and is actually very dangerous to the system. And, you know, people, you can take it if you had a lot of shock or someone died or, you know, you went through that period, there may be an appropriate time for that. So we're not saying to the list is never, but certainly as that, as the method, the only method is actually very harmful to our long term health.
0: Absolutely. And that's what I see a lot when people come to me at sleep as a skill now is that they have been taking things like this for many years and there was really no exit strategy put in place or no plan. Um, and, you know, we'll have conversations about that. And yet the, in, in those conversations, there's a missing of a person to go to your, uh, count on relationship or a uh, a goal that we're setting up to have that self-sustainability so that we can do the hard work to get to the root cause of really what's going on here.
2: Yeah, absolutely. But now we turn to, I want to ask about women because I hear, you know, and obviously Ada Calhoun released her book, Why Women Don't Sleep, yes. year, which went right to the top of the New York Times uh, bestseller list. She drew up some really important, um, I think, messages about women not sleeping. I mean, in your experience,
0: are women sleeping worse than men? Oh, great question. So, yeah, that's a a big question. And here's a, a few things for us to be mindful of when we're thinking of women and sleep. So... When I'm working with people at Sleep is a Skill, of course, a lot of what we're doing is around circadian rhythm optimization and strengthening our circadian rhythm. Of course, the circadian rhythm is a 24-hour um, uh, way a rhythm that we're all a part of as human creatures. We're diurnal in nature, meaning that we are more active during the day. Um, and at rest at night. And that's kind of how it's been for thousands of years. So that's one aspect of the rhythms that are responsible for great sleep. Um, Now, women are also a part of the infradian rhythm. So we have uh, an infradian rhythm system that that we are on regularly. And well, depending on where you might be falling in your uh, age range and uh, menstruation and uh, going to perimenopause and menopause and um, of course, those sex hormones continue, but in a different way. but uh, within the infradian rhythm that's around a twenty eight day cycle, and within that twenty eight within those twenty eight days, then we see a lot of variability that happens hormonally. and these hormones have so much to do in the world of getting great sleep. Um, so there's a lot that you that we can actually be mindful of. Um, and I really do believe it's more of a when you know better, you do better situation because when you start to be more connected to uh, where those hormones are falling throughout the structure of that month, you can make really intelligent choices, whether it be food-related, uh, exercise-related, stress management, emotional regulation-related, um, some of the things that we can do to help support um our mitochondria, um, very important for uh, just overall health and well-being as it relates to hormones. So there's a, a number of things that we have to put ourselves back in the driver's seat.
2: Yeah, and I think that's that's very really important, I think, because we often forget how much our rhythm is changing through the month. And, yes. and, and we would notice that as women and then just bypass it and think, oh, well, I'm just having two or three nights bad sleep. Of course, that listen to this podcast and that I work with are having hormone chaos. (laughs) So it's not surprising that if we don't make adjustments, we have sleep chaos.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Um, I had on uh, the Sleep is a Skill podcast uh, recently a hormone expert, um, Elisa Vitti, who advocates for something called cycle syncing. And it's one methodology around how to... Uh, manage your hormones. And uh, I just use that as an example because I think that it can be a kind of female-oriented biohacker approach um, to to how to manage our, our hormones and our cycle in a way that really brings us uh, empowerment versus being at the effect of, okay, so it's a week before my period and now I've just got to sit back and wait for the cascade of hormones to make me turn into a new type of person. Um, And yet, (laughs) um, instead, there's a lot of things that we can do to help support them and make important uh, choices as it relates to what type of exercise are we going to take in, partake in, what type of upregulation on um, our meditation, our breath work. What will that do for our planning? Um, even looking to be mindful of, uh, you know, structuring the amount of things that we're responsible for during the period of the month, um, or vacations, or what have you. There's a number of things that we can really set, and not to be at the effect of life, but instead to really set up workability um, from a place of a, a body that is capable of doing something really miraculous, making life. Um, And yet (laughs) uh, there's, there's some things for us to be mindful of and to be unapologetic about, because I think it's been a, uh, often a shameful thing or something that we would hide and keep under the, under the rug. And I think in this conversation around sleep, it becomes paramount because this is something that we really want to prioritize and fight for.
2: Yeah. And I think, you, that's a really, really strong point you make there that we have, as women, I think, tried to battle through without making shifts for a very, very long time. And you know, I have women who say to me, But I'm up all night, you know, I, I'm doing everybody's dental appointments. And I had a client recently, and I, she said, Well, I'm folding laundry at one in the morning. I said, But why? <laughs> Why are you doing? Why are you doing that? this? You know, but this is very typical of, of women and not making those adjustments or allowing themselves those adjustments. In- Absolutely,
0: you're making um, a really great point because one of the other things. I mean, granted, um, I have a bit of a niche uh, business that as the company is called, sleep is a skill. And the the point, the uh, focus is looking at sleep to optimize through technology, accountability, and behavioral change. So I do get a lot of kind of more biohacker-esque people coming my way. Mm-hmm. And so even um, for women, they might be approaching their health through that more alpha lens. And so they're uh, doing more intense intermittent fasting they're doing uh, lots of the maybe bulletproof coffee, they're um, doing some of the high intensity training, they're doing all these things. And they think and really um, believe that they're doing a lot of great things for their health. And they might really mirror that for, say, their partner or, uh, you know, the the men that they're following as thought leaders. And And while that is very true, there's so much to learn in that domain, there might be a very different management system for us than there is for our male counterparts yeah
2: i agree and i think an awful lot of the data that's out there you know people who listen to me will know i bang on about this one but you know a lot of the data that's collected is on on male subjects or male cells and, yes. and we are learning that you know female that can't be directly applied to women we're not small men and then they're I don't know if for your experiences, but there is an ethnicity factor in that as well.
0: Oh, absolutely, yes. Um, so this and a hundred percent. That's a big topic around the studies that we're all not all but often citing, and uh, who who the test subjects are for those, and how often they are white men um, just tends to be what we see a lot of. And uh, so the big topic there for sure, um, and a lot of concerns around that because then there's a missing in our, um, in a representation for many different groups and in the conversation around women, uh, certainly missing in our more intricate and kind of um, dynamic cycle in that Freudian rhythm that we mentioned before. Uh, So I think that there's something for us to be mindful of when we are uh, looking to take on our health and well-being. So for instance, uh, there's a bunch of root causes, obviously, for people when they're having difficulty with their sleep. And uh, one, just one of the many, um, tends to be around things like glucose instability. And um, so I mentioned that just on this topic of women because uh, something so small can be really helpful when we start to. So I'll um, hook clients up to continuous glucose monitors. And so then 24 hours a day, they're getting kind of readouts on their glucose, including when they're sleeping. Um, so we'll see for uh, different clients that at different points during their sleep, they might be having all kinds of... Uh, instability. And so, uh, at different points throughout our cycle. So as far as women, um, and their relationship to, uh, their month and some of the things that can impact sleep, one, uh, root cause there's many, uh, but one popular thing that, uh, we do that we work together on, Normalizing is uh, this unstable or instability around glucose. And uh, it's something to be mindful of because at different points of our cycle, our glucose levels uh, might be different than they are at other points of our cycle. So, for instance, um, in the luteal phase, there might be more um, a tendency of uh, a kind of a, a spike in our. Uh, response to certain foods that we might have. And so we might see a higher spike and uh, that that drop that comes along with that. And of course, along with that drop, part of the reason that we're uh, concerned around that is for one thing, it can create uh, symptoms very similar to anxiety. And so as we're managing cortisol and looking to help balance these hormones, um, that is a great place to start for something that we do Depending on your on your meal timing schedule, uh, you know multiple times throughout the day, and that if we can start even just there making a difference with uh, beginning to uh, blunt those types of responses, that can make help support getting great sleep at night. Now, but if you're not well attuned to the fact that at different points in your cycle there might be that totally different response to the very same foods, you can eat something at the same time, same type but have a whole different response. And it goes back again to that. If you know better, you do better sort of thing. And then we can choose differently uh, and help support our response at night. Yes.
2: And I think what I'm hearing, if I'm right all the way through this, Molly, is the importance of managing our habits uh, yes. the whole time. As if Is that the central uh, way that is the best way to manage your sleep?
0: Yeah. So there's so much that goes into great, getting great sleep. And uh, I have a few frameworks that we work within, um, to help get people back on track with this. But, uh, one is called the sleep tripod. And within the sleep tripod, we're looking to have like any great functioning tripod, um, you know, workability within three legs of that. And so one being psychology, uh, physiology and environment. And. Of course, on the physiology element of things, when we are uh, going through stages in our lives like perimenopause or menopause, that can be a very clear part of the leg that is out of balance that we'll have to, that we'll want to make sure we're doing a lot of education and work around, um, balancing. And then from that place, and these are all very interconnected, but the impacts, um, when those things are out of line on our physi, on our psychology and just our overall mindset. So a lot of things that we can do to help support minimizing and lowering cortisol there. And then I also make the argument that, uh, for most, People in the 21st century, I do think there's still a lot that we can do on an environmental uh, side of things that I think many of us aren't uh, privy to, even beyond just the basic. Oh, okay, get the blackout shades and an eye mask or what have you. There's there's often is more to it on the environmental side of things.
2: Yeah, so it really feels like if there are there's it's a really important to have that support and to put that right. Uh, and I think you've alluded quite a bit to diet being very important and exercise and you mentioned also the type of exercise in in there
0: yeah so what I think is really fascinating is one of the other frameworks we pull from is uh, called circadian rhythm entrainment and this is all from the domain of chronobiology and chronobiology being really just the science of, not just, but being the science of time and how time impacts our biology. And if we're looking at circadian rhythm entrainment, it is how to entrain and strengthen our circadian rhythm so that it's working in a way that's count-onable, kind of automatic versus having to really, um, do a lot to get the functionality, uh, working with that. So within that, um, there's two things that are really paramount that will help keep what we call the suprachiasmatic nucleus on time. The suprachiasmatic nucleus is uh, found within the brain and actually uh, closely connected with the eyes. Um, So understanding that there are certain things that will impact the timekeeping mechanism of that master clock. Um, And one of the first most important things is light. And so that light timing becomes crucial. So a lot of what we do at sleep is a skill. I make the argument that it begins when you first wake up. Um, and often if we're looking, cause I certainly, when I was in my troubles with sleep, a lot of the time that I was focusing on was what to do at night, what to do once I get into bed. And yeah. basically, uh, <laughs> that can put us into a bit of a challenging spot, especially if we are like I was in the hyper-aroused brain state and having a lot of rumination and kind of record player of thoughts. Um, So if we haven't put in the the heavy lifting during the day, then... Um, what's likely is, you know, kind of just get comfy in bed because, you know, it's (laughs) there's not a lot you can do to force sleep to come. Instead, there's a lot of amazing behaviors that you can take on, um, during the rest of the day that that's where you can put your power into. Um, and then instead in the evening, practicing things like acceptance, surrender, um, you know, kind of. Uh, more of those esoteric things but during the daytime there's a lot that we can actually actively take on and it, one of the f- most important things if you get nothing out of this conversation is just <laughs> to begin um when you wake up getting yourself outside for at least around 20 30 minutes and actually this does depend this is, goes back to that studies of um kind of incongruencies it does depend on um, basically your uh, 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 melaton uh, the melanin in your skin the amount of time that you'll need to be in the sun so you'll want to check and see where you fall within that but um, certainly at the very least around you know 20 minutes uh, ideally more of time out in the sun first thing in the morning and the why of that is that that helps uh, to suppress your uh, any lingering kind of melatonin production if things are a bit out of whack. Um, so that can do that. And that can also help cue to regulating cortisol because we actually do want to support healthy cortisol rise in the morning. And, uh, but then people with the idea that there's that eventual fall later on in the evening. And so many of us have that maybe out of alignment. So, that morning sunlight becomes really important because, as I mentioned, with the eyes, the the connection from the eyes to the suprachiasmatic nucleus, and then, of course, within um, our cells, virtually every cell in our body also has uh, little mini clocks that are also looking to stay on time and photoreceptors. So that light acts as a really very important cue that um, it is time to begin our day, in known as uh, sunlight anchoring. And with that sunlight anchoring process, then there's really almost like a master countdown clock that then gives you a certain period of time until in the evening when we'll switch over to melatonin. So that is just one place to begin.
1: Yeah, and I, and I think when I
2: when I hear you talking, I'm just thinking about living here in the northern hemisphere where it is really dark in the morning. You know, yes. here here in Sweden, you know, and I'm not in the far north, but you know, we don't have any daylight till nine in the morning and then it's yes. off at about three o'clock in the afternoon. So I'm not surprised that a lot of people here have sleep problems because yes. they're not getting that same level I think By the time the, the light is out, they're in fact inside their offices and schools.
0: Yes, exactly. And it's a really great point. I actually have a few clients from Sweden uh, for that exact issue because of how much more work that they really, um, becomes important to be mindful of. And particularly if you have any extra out of the ordinary type of shift work or anything that you're doing, yeah. then you can complicate an already complicated matter. Um, so yes, that makes a really huge point. And I actually have had people relocate from different places that they're in. And I've actually been a part of that as well. I mean, I grew <laughs> up in uh, Maine and A lot of, you know, just the sun would set in the winter around whatever, 435, and then it's it's just darkness. Um, And so seeking out, there's one way of doing things is uh, health geography. And it's really interesting to look at the different levels of health based on where we are geographically. But if that's not in the conversation for you, then within the space that you're in, then becoming really a... um, uh, a student of circadian rhythm and how we can help more, uh, create a schedule for ourselves that we make it kind of a lifestyle, even if it is kind of biohacking that to a degree. So, I mean, there's certain like, I have like red lights over here. I got all kinds of things that we can biohack to mimic <laughs> and certainly mimicking, um, is not the same as the natural light source of a full spectrum of the light uh, of sunlight, mm-hmm. um, but we can mimic things like the infridium red light that we get from the morning sunrise and then the evening sunset uh, at different points throughout our day.
2: And I really loved also that you mentioned this whole um, part of winding down at night. So looking for these winding down. So we we read a lot of that in magazines. yes. But, uh, you know, how does that really work? Because so many people are slumped in front of the TV with a glass of wine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Totally. So how do we go about, and what are some of the things you can do to switch that up for Molly? That
0: <laughs> uh, is a wonderful question. So, uh, well, number one, just about every person that um, I'm working with, I have them getting uh, some biofeedback on their sleep. So uh, I have them wearing some sort of sleep tracker. And, um There's lots of different ones, but I tend to have people wearing the aura ring, like this little ring, um, spelled O-U-R-A, no affiliation, but just helpful for us to have some grounding work around what are the actual numbers, because often that is one place that, Does tend to be foggy for many of us is, well, I think I got whatever, six and a half hours. Uh, I went in at this time, I'm not sure what time it was, and I really fell asleep. So these can help uh, take away both the journaling practice of this, because years back before there were sleep trackers, that was one of the first uh, recommendations if you were having sleep troubles, was to keep a sleep diary. And you could still certainly do that in an analog fashion. But um, if not, then having one of these trackers while any of the wearables not on the head um, can do a great... The ones on the head have a little, can be a bit more attuned to sleep stages, but the rest of them um, do a pretty good job with total time duration and uh, wake-ups and also things like body temperature, respiratory rate, heart rate, HRV, uh, things that will point to our overall health throughout our sleep. So that, the reason I say all that is that Those, uh, having that can, I've found to really help with the behavioral changes necessary uh, to help support great sleep. So what I mean by that is the example that you mentioned of, you know, sitting in front of the TV with the wine and I get it. I mean, uh, the biggest thing for me was shifting. I used to be obsessed with um, popcorn and wine at night and that was (laughs) like my thing.
2: (laughs) Popcorn, not a wine, but a at
0: night. <laughs> like, <Yes>. no. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. That was just some sort of, and and very righteous about it. I would get, I'd be like, oh, I deserve this. And, you know, I worked hard. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, so that was really part of some sort of uh, wind down routine that I was part of for years and years and years. So um I truly believe that without the, what had happened for me with my sleep and then uh, all the data that I began to be able to pull from my sleep results it's unlikely that I would have made such a uh, lifestyle shift on my own without seeing all that. So what I I mean by what I would see is that when I would eat a large amount and drink um, before bed, Some of the stats that you can expect to see uh, for for many people is more sleep fragmentation. So you might see some more wake-ups. And of course, that alludes often to the alcohol, but even sometimes to the food choices with the Mm -hmm. glucose element. But then also, you'll see things like your body temperature going up your heart rate going up, you have to deal with all that digestion. Um, and then you'll see things like your HRV, which is a great readout of your autonomic nervous system kind of tanking, uh, and respiratory rate, actually having more difficulty breathing throughout the night, and breath and uh, sleep quality, are intimately connected. So there's a lot there for even just that one topic of both food timing and even going into like chronopharmacology, so different uh, drugs that we might take at different times of the day, and of course alcohol being a socially accepted drug, but does a number on our sleep.
2: Yeah, it really does. I mean, you know, um, it just dehydrates you, puts too much sugar in the system, and a whole load of other things. So. Yes, you know a lot of people will be familiar with that. I think in that we have a few drinks, we wind down, we crash, we half sleep on the couch, which isn't really great for the rhythm, is it? Yeah, no, and no it's definitely back, not. Then we go back to bed, and then we're in the middle of the night, blood sugar tanking, and and we wake up snoring and hot and bothered, and we put that down to our hormones, where the it's actually probably much more related to the 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 alcohol and the excess sugar that we've consumed.
0: Absolutely, yeah. And so, even just making um, a few behavioral shifts like that can really be transformative. So, what I often speak to is um, something called circadian rhythm, intermittent fasting. And all that is, is just a fancy uh, grouping of words to really put most of your meal timing within sunrise and sunset. And granted, I know it's with an asterisk that uh, in places like where you are, there's going to be a little bit more um, scheduling that goes into that to make that workable. But uh, with often we're looking to have a period of time before bed um, so a good rule of thumb is in the past, people would say like two hours before bed, great to stop eating. But um, ideally, I have people looking at uh, things like three and even four hours to begin uh, to stop eat before they sleep. And we'll get to see on some of the readouts that their sleep quality really can improve by just doing that one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have other clients that will do uh, more extreme sides of that intermittent fasting. Of course, this harkens back to our conversation around hormones and really being mindful. This is very much bio-individual. Um, so a lot of my male clients can do really well in some of the earlier uh, bed timing, uh, well, meal timing before bed, then uh, maybe the women will uh, at different points in their cycle might do. But either way, for all of us looking to have grant ourselves really the gift of having more time before bed to help support that digestion so that it's not happening while we're sleeping. Yeah. Because if you even just think about just on from a common sense perspective, all the blood flow and all the energy that's going to the stomach, that's really taking that from one of the main um, things that we were talking about before, that lymphatic drainage during deep sleep. Uh, so that's one very important element. And then of course, all the cellular repair and uh, human growth hormone and all the things that we want to help support to be able to focus on that it's not getting the same amount of resources as it could if it's busy with that if everything's busy just
2: digesting what's there i mean that's certainly something that is also being touted in uh menopause sort of weight management If yes. we have a prolonged period of not having something in the system we're looking to again Eat within a certain window and give ourselves eight between eight and twelve hours, depending individually what works for us. With an empty or at least uh, nothing else coming into the digestive tract, so that it can actually have a chance to do its job and heal and repair.
0: Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, and and it can be a great thing to test um, with, and that's why technology can be helpful. You know, so much of What I'll be speaking to of the problems around our sleep, um, a lot of it, you know, I'll I'll mention around uh, how so much of what we've seen around difficulties with sleep have come since Edison, you know, since the invention of the light bulb and our ability to augment our days in a way that is really very, very out of the norm. And we, many of us think of it because we've been swimming in this, you know, fish tank of this is normal (laughs) for a while. And yet it's really quite quite abnormal. So of course, if you go back to hunter-gatherer days, so the sun would set. And besides a fire or something that we might make, uh, you were very much tied to that rhythm of nature. And that's how it was for thousands of years. And then just only a couple hundred years ago, in a blip of time, now suddenly we can augment and Netflix and chill until 1 a.m., 2 a.m. and not think it's that strange. If someone in your tribe was doing that back in the day, they would be <laughs> extremely abnormal and yes. probably be booted out. Uh, so <laughs> so what we're doing is a big, big deal. And it's uh, something that in a Darwinian perspective, we have not been able to adapt for. Um, so, so things like this to help support more of an alignment with the rhythms of nature aligning our meal timing with that aligning um, our exercise aligning even our thought timing that's a more uh kind of esoteric conversation but how much that can be important to once the sun is setting supporting kind of calming uh just relaxation and choosing that wisely
2: absolutely and i think i think someone um a friend of mine who's a psychologist showed a wonderful uh, slide, and it said we've been a Stone Age man for ten million years. Uh, he, he did it on a twenty-four hour clock, and he said twenty-three hours and you know fifty seconds. We've you know fifty fifty minutes and fifty seconds. We have in fact been a Stone Age man, and this for this little milli bit, we've been this digital human being, yes. and and we are just not really adapted, as you said. To yes. this bright blue light that's coming in from computers, phones, TVs, iPads, in that not just stay in the lounge, but migrate into our bedrooms, um, along with a lot of light out, it come from the outside environment. I mean, you know, cities are very bright these days.
0: Absolutely. No, you're making a great point. It goes back to that. One of the top most important things of the circadian rhythm uh, entrainment framework is light and then below that temperature. and so light um ends up being a real thing that we want to focus on and get our light right and uh, so from that question that you had mentioned a while back of how can we support a great uh, evening routine uh, with that that goes in a lot of that evening routine goes into our light management and So where I am in out in the desert, there's some really cool sunsets and they'll be like pink and like it's a whole event. Uh, so what I've done with those is really time with those is when the blue blockers go on, when this, when our interior lighting goes off, um, at most maybe use kind of like, uh, like these red lights, like this stuff. Uh, or using um, some maybe pink Himalayan salt lamps or something along those lines, but very warm tones. Yeah. And, um, and then outfitting things like your phone with um, on the iPhone, there's just the ability to turn that over to red light. Yes. Um, and, and more than just that night mode to make sure that if you have the iPhone that you go Google it, you can just, there's set, uh, steps to uh, making it full red light uh, capable or if you have an Android, getting things like Twilight, but setting your environment up so that a lot of that is automatic. So then we can focus in on some of the other things like temperature, uh, because we want to, you know, produce a drop of around two to three degrees in the evening. Um, And there's a number of things we can do around that. And that meal timing uh, actually plays into that temperature regulation. And so does exercise so does that thought timing, so does some of the um, drugs that we might be having, there's a lot of things that can support uh, that winding down.
2: It really feels to me, Molly, like this is a whole system approach in order yes. to be able to sleep um, in within the modern environment in which we find ourselves. Yes,
0: yes. And I do, I am really grateful for uh, the, the fact that so many of us are, um, Awakening, no pun intended, to the the difficulties with their sleep, and using that, I often call it like a Trojan horse effect, where we go in with the problems with our sleep, and in order to transform our sleep, we really have to transform a lot of our lives. And certainly that happened for me. My life looks totally upside down to how it used to, and I'm so grateful for that because now it's choosing for and pulling for uh, health and wellness in a way that just was not prioritized, but through the lens of okay, I want to get great sleep, then suddenly the things that I might have, oh, this is a good thing. I should go work out. I should eat right. But if I get the link in my brain that that will help pull for that awesome, awesome sleep and waking up feeling great, then it's much more easy for me to make those choices.
2: Yeah. And I think when I talk to my listeners here, you know, making that great sleep also helps you manage your hormone balance better. You're less foggy. You're less fatigued. Yeah. It will have a dramatic impact on your, on your weight. If in yes. conjunction with having, you know, a really well healed gut, those yes. two things together will make a huge difference. Your moods will be better. Uh, and so the whole thing is like working in flow, you know, with, with everything, but really sleep is so fundamental and it isn't that we can't get it. We have to make those changes, not think that, you know, wafting lavender oil and, and over yes, you know, there's a lot of that kind of advice out there, which is very misguided. Yeah, Whereas I agree. take a whole system approach of, I'm going to move, I'm going to eat, I'm going to change my environment, and then I'm going to work with my mind. Guess what? I'm going to sleep. And when I sleep, everything else also falls
0: into place. Oh, yeah. I love that whole system approach. That's wonderful. Well said, because that's really what it takes. And I think that that can be a great way to, um, that's why I do like bringing in the tech, because like I said, I'm you know, kind of um, saying that this is such a problem around light augmentation and the uh what we've seen for ourselves since edison in this digital age but at the same time um while those things can create new challenges for us there are also opportunities within certain tech that can help illuminate what we're doing and gamify what we're doing um and certainly you know, just when you get to see the trends. So I have clients; we have entire dashboards. We're looking at their total sleep numbers go up. We look at their heart rate going down. We look at their HRV improvement and you know, all of these things. It can just be like, "Wow, look at what I can do from a behavioral standpoint!" And it really does give us uh, back that power around this area.
2: Absolutely. So if someone was to come to you, Molly, uh, and start, what would be maybe one or two of the top things that you would Say to them, this is where we start. Obviously, giving that everybody's a bit of an individual, but. Jen. Yes,
0: great question. Absolutely. Well, one, I would say, um, you know, adopting this uh, thought, pro- this thinking that sleep is a skill. So um, I think that's a really helpful place to stand, particularly in the 21st century, because I do get the irony of a statement like that. If you were to go back um, again into those, you know, hunter gatherer days or what have you and try to make that argument, it would. Probably seem really silly, but um, but I really believe that that is where we're at right now today in the in our lifestyle and environmental management. So from that place, if we adopt that, then we can um, shirk a bit of this. Oh, I'm just a bad sleeper. Oh, you know my husband's a good sleeper, I'm the bad one, all those labels. Instead, we're all starting at, okay, so as a student, any type of skill, wherever we are at, we can get to the next level. Um, So one, I think that that's a really important place for transformation. And then uh, the next step um, really tends to be that sleep tripod and identifying uh, what might be a bit more out of whack and understanding that there's going to be some digging and Uh, looking into that puzzle of our psychology, physiology, and environment. Um, And then just on a more immediate standpoint, um, if we're understanding that we're looking at circadian rhythm entrainment, we want to get that light right. We want to start even just begin our days with getting all with that uh, natural Sunlight exposure, um, I think is a great place to start because it flips things upside down instead of looking at that evening and getting frustrated. Instead, we start our day to support healthy sleep and their choices fall in alignment with that
2: yeah that's wonderful. Molly, it's been so enlightening. I mean, I think we could talk for hours or. I two. know. Yes,
0: <laughs> if we're so uh, in a, in alignment on a lot of our thinking, a lot of synergy. <laughs> yes.
2: Molly, where can people find out more about you and the work that you do?
0: Oh yeah. Well, so at sleepisaskill.com, we have a lot of things that you can, um, available to help support your sleep. So one thing that you can do is download our optimized bedroom, we call it, so it's a downloadable PDF for free, um, that will just basically walk you through a number of things that you can set your environment up to support great sleep, but it also looks at the bedroom from both the day and the night. Um, you know, so also speaking to those people that are Uh, I used to live in Manhattan and would like the one little space would be everything. So we can't always say, oh, the bedroom is just for sleep. Uh, There are many people that are particularly during these times in the lockdown that one space serves everything. So um, if that is the case, then what how we can set up our environment both during the day and the night to support and pull for great sleep. That's um, downloadable PDF. Then you can also take a sleep assessment and then get um, actual real human feedback. Um, And, you know, so we review all of those and then respond accordingly uh, to give you some personalized tips around your sleep. And then um, additionally, every single week, we do what I call the most obsessive newsletter on the planet around sleep. Uh, <laughs> and it's every Monday, just uh, basically looking at I'm very obsessive personality, hence why I had issues with sleep. And it's um, so pulling all the things that I'm finding really cool around uh, the areas of sleep and lots of resources and all kinds of freebies every single month, uh, Monday. So there's a lot of things that you can sign up for to just begin this process immediately to become a bit of a sleep scholar.
2: That's wonderful. Molly, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing
0: your knowledge and your
2: passion in this area.
0: Oh, well, thank you so much. And I'm looking forward to connecting with you more. I know we've got a lot in common on our approaches to uh, health and wellness. So this has been great. Thank you.
2: Yeah, we stop recording now. <laughs> okay. Well, I hope that you about really enjoyed that
1: episode. I know that I did. And I learned so much from Molly. That whole new thing about infradian rhythms and circadian rhythms. So not just working with our daylight, but working with how our sex hormones are changing, particularly if we're still having any form of 28 day cycle. And that knowledge is do better to sleep better is clear so learn to gen up about the importance of diet and exercise and if you want to track your sleep and get dough deeper then an aura ring is an amazing piece of tech and finally you know letting what you do during the day do the heavy lifting so what we do during the day just makes us sleep better at night connect with molly on Sleep as a Skill to find out more about her free resources and the work she does. We're available on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, and all the places where you listen to your podcast. And if you've enjoyed this episode, don't forget to like, subscribe and share. And if you're looking for more support in going through this transition that is the peri to post-menopause journey, connect with me Clarissa clarissachristiansen at clarissachristiansen.com and let's start a conversation. Next week we're going to be touching on dismissive diagnosis and early menopause when I join Nina Chikotki, and we talk about her journey and what she did to take back control when she became perimenopausal in her 30s. Until next time, go well.
2: The is it morning yet deal? How about now? Or now? Because morning time is McDonald's breakfast time. And that's the best
0: time of all the times. Get any sized iced coffee for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. And
2: sweeten the deal when you pair it with a baked apple or pumpkin and creme pie. After all, why wait to treat yourself? Prices and participation may vary, cannot be combined with any other offer.
1: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.